0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Tonic, heard Saturday afternoons at 1 on Zoomer Radio. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. (laughs)
1: As you connect to your body, and you connect to the sensations that you're experiencing in any given moment, you begin to learn to tolerate levels of sensation, and you learn to tolerate what it is to have this experience, and that, in this funny way, that tolerance, just building the capacity to stay with it, allows you to process things as they're happening without it living inside your tissues.
2: Welcome to the new and improved 60 minute version of the tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. On today's show, we're going to discuss whether your liver needs to go on a diet, also, the top tips to cook with seasonal fruits and vegetables, and then the mindful way of loving your body. Lastly, shifting our health mindset into fall. But first, a bit of business. Today's sponsor is Purely Natural. Purely Natural. My first guest is Joel Thuna. He's a master herbalist and general manager of Purely Natural. He strives to improve the quality and natural products on the market and passes along his knowledge of herbal remedies through lectures and articles. Joel's an entertaining and accessible writer. And today we're going to discuss an article in the upcoming September issue of Tonic Magazine, all about liver health. Welcome back
0: to the show, sir. You're one of our favorites. Thank you very much. I'm very happy as always to be
2: here. Now, We're talking about liver health today, and candidly, I pride myself on knowing everything about everything, but I don't really know anything about this, so I'm really relying on you today. And this was a great article, so I know our listeners are in for a treat. Why is liver so important? What does it do?
0: Well, the first thing is, I do want to say that it was actually quite humorous when I was asked to write this by one of my friends, because... Up until that point in time, growing up, always thought about liver. I always just thought about the stinky food my brother right. used to love to eat smothered in onions. Onions, right. I, yeah. I never thought about it any other way. And then when I started researching it, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to talk about this. Yep. So the reason liver is so important is just if it wasn't for your liver, you wouldn't be healthy. Period. End of sentence. Right. Your liver works day and night tirelessly to keep you healthy. It's the largest solid organ and the largest gland you have. And believe it or not, it performs over 500 critical functions multiple times every day.
2: And we abuse it to no end.
0: That's the problem. Our modern lifestyle, just the stresses we put our body just through. Just this
2: past weekend, Joel. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. I,
0: <laughs> no, I know. Go on. Sorry. Go on. Not a problem. Hey, it is what it is. I was just coming clean. Okay. <laughs> but that's the whole thing. We as human beings over the ages, have just taken our liver for granted. Right. And and we generally do take our health for granted. We're kind of silly as a species that way. But we take our liver for granted, and it's to our detriment that we do that. The liver acts as a huge filter, right? It's one of its tasks. Right. It filters out everything we take in. Anything that's a toxin or can harm our body, the liver tries to pull out and store and keep us healthy.
2: So it is exactly that important.
0: Oh, definitely. Uh, Some of the other stuff it does, it produces bile to break down fats. Without it, we wouldn't be able to digest fat. Cholesterol as well. Some vitamins. It also helps blood cell formation. It helps blood cells clot. Very important for anyone who is a klutz like I am and tends to bleed occasionally. Helps break down and absorb proteins, fats, and carbohydrates from our food. It stores some vitamins, filters the toxins as we were talking about. And it also acts as a vital key component to our immune system. So essentially without it, we're toast. Who wants that? Not if you're listening to this show. (laughs) So and as we go on, you know, the
2: liver, like all the other parts, you know, they, they cease to be under warranty and
0: things happen to the liver. So, so what happens to the liver as we get older? Well, the first thing is, as you're saying, every single thing in our bodies as we age, their health tends to They don't decline. get better. <laughs> they don't. But the liver, because it's so complex and performs so many functions, there's a lot of things can happen to it. Okay. It's, it's a very complex organ. As I said, we're not very kind to them. So what happens is the liver being so vital, Mother Nature was brilliant, far more brilliant than any human out there. Okay. And the liver has some capacity actually to regenerate itself. Okay, I didn't know that. It's the only organ that can Regenerate itself. When we're young and pristinely healthy, right. hopefully. Yeah. No comment. <laughs> your liver can regenerate and fix itself of any reasonable damage in as little as two weeks. Wow. As we age, unfortunately, that capacity decreases. And as we abuse it and the damage keeps piling up, eventually that capacity completely Is eliminated. Oh, okay. That's the the negative. That's the sad part. But because it's so complex and performs so many functions that are vital to us, the liver can suffer from many conditions. The most common ones are cirrhosis, which is scar tissue on the liver, hepatitis, which is an infection of the liver, alcoholic liver disease, which is what it sounds like, fatty liver disease, and liver cancer. While there are tons of other ones, those are the main ones. Right. Unfortunately, it's a huge topic to discuss all of those conditions, so today I'm going to narrow it down to just one.
2: Right. And and that's the fatty liver,
0: the issue. non-alcoholic fatty liver. Okay. Cuz it's the least well-known of them, yet as dangerous as any of the others.
2: Okay, so let's talk about that for a bit. Where should we start?
0: Well, just to explain what it is. Sure. Non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, as the name states, has no correlation to alcohol use. Okay. And that's a key thing because, as we all know, if you indulge in too much alcohol, you're going to hurt your liver. Right. We all know that. So this takes that out of the equation. What ends up happening in non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is fat builds up in your liver cells. It comes from having too much fat in your diet on a consistent basis. On top of that, there is a genetic component and a massive lifestyle component.
2: Okay. So... Three things, eating too much fat, having a predisposition to collecting fat, and then how you conduct yourself from day to day beyond just consuming fat, correct?
0: Correct. Because, for example, if you consume a lot of fructose, a lot of carbohydrates, if you're obese, all of those contribute. And a lot of people, when I bring up the word obese, go, okay, well, I'm not obese, I'm fat. The problem is you have to remember, one in three Canadians are obese, and another one in three are at risk of being obese. Yeah. Odds are two-thirds of the people listening to my voice right now should be concerned.
2: Okay. So it's a biggie. (laughs) It's a huge biggie. So what conditions are associated with
0: non-alcoholic fatty liver disease? Unfortunately, the bad ones. Diabetes, which is elevated blood sugar. Hyperlipidemia. I love the sound of that, but hate what it is. Elevated fat in the blood. Insulin resistance. Hypertension, which is high blood pressure. The problem is that it's not a direct correlation. Scientists don't know yet whether non-alcoholic fatty liver disease causes these or these cause non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. They just have made the connection that where you have one, odds are very good you're going to have multiples of the other. Well, everything that you listed off seems to have a connection to body weight, right? Like, Correct. Like, I mean,
2: you know, I, I presume when you're speaking about diabetes, you're, you're, you're talking about the adult onset, like type
0: B. is it It's actually type. both. Is it really? It is both. It's not just type 2. Okay. It's also type 1, so insulin-dependent, diabetes as well.
2: Oh, okay. All right. But still, the other stuff, the hypertension, mm-hmm. extra fat in the blood, all of that connects with the oh, great! Overweight. They're all
0: lifestyle conditions. Okay. All right. So who's at risk to develop this ailment? And that's the unfortunate part. Every one of us. Oh. Every single one of us. I mentioned, for example, the obesity, where you've got... Two-thirds of us are either obese or on the verge of being obese. These conditions, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is a modern lifestyle condition, primarily. And saying that, it's the combination of a bad diet, lack of physical activity, and just not taking care of yourself to the extent that you should. Right. The most frightening, and I do say frightening because it really frightens me, being a parent, The most frightening information about this disease is that children are not immune. Fatty liver disease is the most common cause of liver disease in children. It's now diagnosed in children as young as four in Canada. Wow. 10% of all children are believed to have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Yeah. And I think that just speaks to how we live our lives now. I mean, and that's really sad. It is. And the, the other statistic is, even if you manage to go through childhood and not have it, if you're predisposed to it, you're much more likely to actually have it as an adult in your early teens. Wow. Okay. It is quite scary as a parent to think about that.
2: All right. So what can we do? I mean, if it's a lifestyle disease, or if it's tied to lifestyle as, as one of the indicators, I presume that changing your lifestyle might help you not get it. Is that true?
0: Yes. Even if you are genetically predisposed to it, right. taking the right steps will greatly, greatly reduce your risk of getting it. And of course, the first thing I'm going to say is drink right. Okay. right. <laughs> and you have to remember, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is... A disease, when it comes to drinking, it's not just what you don't drink, it's also what you do drink that matters. What do you mean by that? So, for example, you don't want to drink alcohol. Obviously- Well, you
2: don't. Speak for yourself, sir. (laughs) Uh, No, I understand what you're saying. You want
0: to be reasonable about it. right? If you're going to sit down, go out with your friends, and have one beer or one glass of wine over an evening- No problem. Your liver can handle that great.
2: Well, your liver can handle it. Here's an interesting little sidebar. I I went to the doctor recently for for an annual checkup. And the doctor said, he, he says, are you drinking? And I said, you know, maybe I'll have two glasses, two or three glasses on a Friday or Saturday, but otherwise not. And I said, but that's not a big deal. You know, a lot of it is wine. He said, well, you know. Years ago, there was a the study that came out that said, you know, wine drinking is fine, Mediterranean diet, yep. and having the occasional wine is okay. He said, that's actually not true. The people around the Mediterranean are healthy because of what they eat, yep. and they're healthy enough that the wine doesn't affect them. But if you go see your doctor now, they'll say to you, if you can cut out the alcohol completely, that's probably the best way to go.
0: Oh, Definitely. If you could do zero, it's much better. But the key thing with your liver health is you don't want it to get overloaded right. at any specific point in time, because when it's overloaded, it ends up essentially focusing on one part of its jobs of right. its five hundred, right. and ignores the other four hundred ninety nine.
2: Right. So, so if you're, if you're going to drink, you know, don't drink a lot consistently because you're not giving your liver a breather. Right. Correct. Or, it's as simple as that, yeah, isn't it? it
0: is. But at the same time, it's what not just avoiding alcohol. Right. It's also avoiding other drinks that have toxins in them. Such as? Artificial sweeteners, artificial flavors, right. artificial colors. Without picking on any one industry here, yeah. essentially soda pop is a big nasty. Right. Anything that's- al- Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you're stunned. <laughs> Energy drinks are another huge problem. They are just filled with toxins. And the problem is, although it may not be alcohol, which- we know taxes is the liver. All those toxins, your liver has to handle each of them. And it's not as though you're talking when you drink a glass that there's one or two toxins. You're talking hundreds of compounds inside that specific sweetener or that specific food color. And your, your liver has to try and resolve every single one of them all at once. And, it, and it's overwhelming. What you can drink to make your liver happy that- is drink a ton of clean, fresh water simple. Yep. On top of that, if you're one of those people, I, I know many people out there who don't like the taste of water. I'm not really? one of them. I love it personally. No, I love water. But we, we recommend then having some herbal tea. Right. Don't sweeten it. Don't add anything to it. Just a nice hibiscus or peppermint or lemon, any of those teas. And not prepackaged. Just basically make it yourself. That way you know what goes in it. Right. If you can't even do that, Add some liquid chlorophyll to your your water. It gives it a nice taste, and there's no negative health implication there. Good idea. So that's drinking. What else can we do to help? The next one is to eat right. Of course. Your liver is responsible for digesting as we went through your fats, your carbohydrates, your proteins. So what you have to do is give it a good mix. Don't go haywire with any one. Just give it a good, well-rounded mix, a diet of healthy, fresh foods. Mm -hmm. and your liver will be happy. On top of that, though, make sure tons of fiber. Your fiber is great for your digestive system. It's also great for your liver. If you're not eating enough fiber, add fiber supplements to your diet. One of the easiest ones is Fiberific. It's a soluble fiber. You can add to anything. You'll never know it's there. Okay. Now, the last lifestyle choice is to stay clean. And what I mean with that is drugs. Not just drugs that are street drugs, things like that, but also pharmaceuticals. Every single drug you take into your body has to be metabolized. And metabolization is the process which your body breaks it down so that the, the substance actually gets into you in a form your body can use. That is your liver's responsibility. Every single drug you take, your liver has to handle. And the problem with that is the more you do, the harder it is on your liver.
2: Okay. We have one minute left. Are there any other supplements other than the fiber that you think might be helpful for somebody who's dealing with this
0: ailment? Definitely. Not just dealing with it to try and avoid it. Yep. One, a good, well-balanced multivitamin, multimineral. Okay. Any one, as long as it's good. Second, milk thistle. Milk thistle actually is a substance that helps your liver work to regenerate itself and to clean itself out. Dandelion root is a root that has Tons of vitamins and minerals and support your liver in doing what it does.
2: Fantastic. We're going to have you back next month, of course. Look forward to it as always. We're always happy to hear from you. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we're going to learn the top tips for preparing seasonal fruits and vegetables on The Tonic. The Benvenuto Group is an owner and developer of quality high-rise condominium and rental properties in Toronto and Montreal. The Benvenuto team is passionate about delivering quality living spaces, top lifestyle amenities, important services, and innovative design tailored specifically to its residents in every particular submarket. The Benvenuto Group seeks out the finest urban neighbourhoods and designs projects to allow its residents to enjoy the benefits of both their property and the exceptional locations that they become a part of. The team surrounds itself with leading professionals and consultants and pushes them to conceive great places to live, to work, and to play. The Benvenuto Group is currently designing several new projects in Toronto, Montreal, and Chicago that will not only become exceptional places to live as an owner or as a renter, but that will deliver some of the highest levels of sustainability, energy efficiency, and comfort, and will set the standard for informed residents. For more information, please visit thebenvenuto.com. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of the Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighbourhoods in Toronto. It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com to Hey, if you like The Tonic Talk Show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa.
3: You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. My next guest,
2: Carolyn Tanner-Cohen, is owner and founder of Delicious Dish Cooking School in Toronto. She's been teaching cooking classes for 17 years. She has a science background, which edifies her interest in health and fueling the body with foods that will optimize health. Carolyn teaches people how to meal plan, eat healthy, cook with natural whole foods, and organize their kitchen. She teaches new cooks, seasoned cooks, university students who are living on their own for the first time, nannies, housekeepers, and everyone in between. For more information about Carolyn, visit deliciousdish.ca. Welcome back to The Tonic.
4: Hi, Jamie. How are things? Things are great. It's been a great summer so far.
2: So we're here to talk about seasonal fruits and vegetables because we're getting to that time of year where people, if they're growing in their backyard or if they're seeing the Ontario produce in the stores, they may not know what to do with it, right? Yeah, you got to know. So where are we going to start today?
4: I think we should start with tomatoes. I would like to talk about a few things, but I think we should start with tomatoes because they're a big one and you can do so much with them. Okay, go. Fabulous. Okay. So I first want to just talk about, you know, there's a bunch of different varieties and different varieties for different purposes. So I have my favorites, but I kind of like them all depending on what I'm using them for.
2: What's your go-to tomato? Tomato.
4: Well, I don't really have a go to, but I guess I would say my go-to are cherry tomatoes, yep. more like the heirloom ones. Yep. And I really like beef steak too. But I use plum as well because they have like virtually no water in them. So they're great for cooking because of their low water. Right. Content. So
2: like plums like the Romas, right?
4: Yeah, the Romas. But you can't use a tomato when they're not fully ripe. Correct. So that's why using tomatoes right now are just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. The other thing is we think of, you know, how am I going to use all these tomatoes in the next week? You could freeze tomatoes, but we right. could talk about that maybe a little bit later on. Okay. But you could buy tons and tons of tomatoes right now and do lots of stuff with them and keep them all winter long.
2: Okay. So let's talk about tomatoes and why tomatoes are so terrific.
4: Okay. So tomatoes are incredible for you. Yep. So tomatoes contain four major carotenoids, all the, They have an alpha and beta carotene, lutein, and the main component of tomatoes is lycopene. Mm-hmm. Lycopene um, is thought to have the highest antioxidant activity of all the carotenoids. Not only that, when all the four carotenoids work together, they work in synergy with each other. Yep. So that's why they're so amazing. Lycopene has great health benefits, including reduced risk of heart disease and cancer. They're also a great source of vitamin C, potassium, folate, vitamin K just all around really good to eat. But I just want to say one thing that it's very important that you combine tomatoes with a healthy fat, like olive oil or avocado oil or something like that, because the lycopene absorbs into your body a lot better and is more bioavailable to you.
2: So the Italians had it right way back when, when they're combining the tomatoes with the olive oil.
4: Oh yeah. The Mediterranean diet, right? Exactly. That's what it is. But another thing that a lot of people don't realize that there's the highest concentration of lycopene in the tomato peels.
3: Aha. Yeah,
4: so if you're looking to... You know, get the maximum amount of lycopene in your body. Then don't peel your tomatoes. Now I know the Italians when they cook them, they peel them, and that's yeah. great too. And you're not ruining the tomato by any stretch. But if you want to save some of the tomatoes and puree them very finely into a tomato sauce, that's great as well. You could also find tomato pastes with the tomato peels, so then you're getting a really high concentration of this lycopene.
2: Okay, so let, let's shunt aside the health stuff. Okay, let's just go for the good taste and the preservation, okay. etc. So you mentioned before about Freezing tomatoes, which yeah. is something – talking about freezing them whole? Or are you talking about like processing them and so then freezing them? Y-
4: you could do a bunch of things. But first of all, you just said taste yeah. and preservation. I yeah. hear those words. Yeah. So I have to say that the most important thing you need to know right now is do not store your tomatoes in the fridge.
2: Okay. Okay. You it's, mean raw tomatoes? Yeah, raw Correct. tomatoes.
4: So like you get a box of cherry tomatoes from the grocery store, never put them in your fridge. Tomatoes will have a chill injury. That's what they're called. Right. And it ruins their texture. They become quite mealy yep. and their flavor and their color. Okay. Okay. So just know that no matter what, you never store your tomatoes in the fridge. And if your tomatoes are sort of on their the end of their life and they're kind of going bad, cook them. Okay, Okay. so no tomatoes in the fridge. Okay, so what do I do? So at the end of the summer when you see the grocery stores are full of bushels of tomatoes, and usually it's plum tomatoes, so what I'll actually do is I will put them on a cookie sheet lined with parchment paper, Wash them first. Put them on a cookie sheet lined with parchment paper, and flash freeze them. So, I'm not, in other words, I'm not putting them into bags yet. Once they're frozen like rocks, I then put them into Ziploc bags. I label them, and then as I need them through the winter, all I do is defrost them. And if you want to peel them, the skins come right off of them as they defrost, and then you can make them into.
2: You're doing it that way. The cell structure is going to break down. So when they thaw out, you're not like it, it's not. For, you're going to have to cook with them. Yeah.
4: Oh, 100%. These are not to be used raw. Right. You're going to cook with them. But a lot of what the Italians do is they make huge, huge vats of tomato sauce at Correct. the end of the summer. And that's incredible. But that's a lot of work. And let's say you're one of those people that just don't have the time to invest or even the wherewithal to invest in that. Yeah. Then just freeze the raw plum tomatoes and then you'll use them all winter long for cooking.
2: Fantastic. All right. So let's talk about some recipes that people can use with their tomatoes so they can get them a la minute. So if you you have raw tomatoes, what do you like doing with them?
4: Okay. So when I have raw, in-season, perfect tomatoes, my go-to is always some form of bruschetta topping. Yeah. Okay. Basically, I take some cherry tomatoes and I cut them into quarters. Yeah. I add a, let's say you have a, a pint of tomatoes. So I'll add a couple cloves of garlic, one chopped green onion, mm-hmm. lots of extra virgin olive oil, like a really, really good fruity kind, salt, pepper, little bit of dried oregano and some fresh basil. So people think, "Mm, I don't really want to use, make so much bruschetta. You don't need to use it as bruschetta. It's a fabulous topping for steamed asparagus, Mm -hmm. steamed broccoli even, on a chicken breast, like grilled chicken breast with salt and pepper. Just slather that all over at the end.
2: I I like your recipe. I I like putting a little bit of balsamic vinegar Mm -hmm. to bring out uh, certain notes in the tomato.
4: Oh yeah for sure but just make sure you use like a low acid balsamic vinegar okay Okay.
2: and do you have a cooked tomato recipe that you I do
4: in? so well I want to say one other thing sure. before then people don't think that they could really use tomatoes as a salad dressing so you could take a whole beefsteak tomato and put it in your blender with just a little bit of vinegar and some olive oil and salt and pepper and you have a beautiful salad dressing to put on lettuce leaves oh. or on grilled vegetables okay so that's that's, that's fabulous so cooking with tomatoes. My favorite thing to do when the cherry tomatoes are in season is I take several pints of cherry tomatoes. I cut them in half. I heat up with olive oil, mm-hmm. and I throw some garlic in there and the cherry tomatoes, um, and I just let that cook on high heat for yep. cherry tomatoes. Do not cover it. You don't yep. want to cook it down too much. And it takes about 15 minutes of cooking, salt and pepper, and a hit of basil, fresh basil at the end, and you've got an amazing pasta sauce in two minutes. Okay.
2: You and I were discussing this. I have a slight variation yep. on that. I. Put the garlic in. I put. In oh as yes, well. chili peppers. But I don't put basil. I put thyme. Ooh. And uh, I do put the cover on, and yeah. I cook it for as long as the water takes to boil for the pasta. Yeah. But my secret ingredient for this is I take panko breadcrumbs and I brown them up. Yeah. And then I use that as a topping on the tomato sauce. Oh, so that's fabulous. That's that's like an every week recipe for us.
4: That's great. And it's so delicious, and it you don't super. even need to use regular pasta. You could always use gluten-free pasta. If well, that's you not could. Your thing. I, that's
2: not my thing. I know it's I, not. I, not can't, my thing I can't do the gluten-free. I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah. can't do it. Okay, great. So we've done tomatoes. Yeah. Uh We have a little bit more time. Let's Fabulous. talk about another summer bounty, which is peaches.
4: Okay, peaches. They're in season right now. There's yep. baskets and baskets of it. These are great. You just have to understand that peaches are climacteric fruit, which means they pick them. Uh, sorry, their their ethylene is still. Let's say it's a gas that ripens the peaches. Right. Okay. So you're going to buy them firm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, and they do that to preserve, so they store well and they travel well. Right. Okay. So how do you ripen a peach?
2: Oh, but you tell. tell. I know how
4: to. So if you want a quick ripen, all you do is put them in a paper Paper bag. bag. And then what happens is the the ethylene, this is from the peach and it, Feeds the peach again, right?
2: It has nowhere to go. It
4: has nowhere to go. So it's the same way you would ripen a banana or you'd ripen an avocado. I was
2: going to say sometimes I will put a banana in the bag if I need things to go really super quick.
4: Super, that's absolutely true. You know, I find a lot of people say to me, "You get a paper bag." That's true. Okay, like that's actually the little their biggest... fruit, a
2: little fruit corner store still have. Yeah, them, so
4: they always have them where the mushrooms are. True. So where the fresh mushrooms are, there's always paper bags right beside them, because that's how you should actually store mushrooms. That's a whole other show. Yeah, no,
2: we'll do that okay. another time.
4: But you you will always find the paper bags near the mushrooms, so throw your peaches in there, and you should ripen them stem down.
2: Do you know how to skin a peach?
4: Sure. You boil water. Correct. Okay, and you score the bottom of the peach. You make meaning, a little X right yeah, where the nub is. Yeah, and you, you make right where the nub is, exactly. And what you do is once your water is boiling, you drop the peaches in, you're just blanching them. So it's for less than a minute. You scoop them out, let them sit for a minute, and then the peels will slip right off.
2: See, we turn the water off at that point. Once you get the boil, you put the peach in, you time it for one minute, you pull it out, yep. you lightly rinse it under cold water and the peel should just come right completely off. Yeah.
4: And then it's no problem. You could use them for baking, but I actually prefer the pe- peaches with the skins, but I know a lot do of people you? have issues with it. And some people are actually allergic to peach fuzz.
2: Well, the skins are much different than when we were kids, right? Like they are. They, they used they're to be like fuzzier. Fuzz- yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So with our last question, do you you have an awesome peach recipe that you could blow through real quick.
4: Oh yeah. Okay. So what I do is I take the peaches, especially the, as I slice them off the stone and I line them up and in between each peach slice, I will put a hunk of burrata cheese and then throw a little bit of mint over top of that
2: it. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm doing that tonight.
4: And don't forget the um, toasted almonds.
2: Well, thank you. And thank you for coming in today. You're going to come back next month? Absolutely. And we're going to focus on turmeric when you come back. Is that right?
4: Turmeric, for sure.
2: Excellent. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss the mindful way of loving your body on The Tonic.
3: And now, the soul segment with spiritual medium, transpersonal therapist and teacher, Lisa Marvin. Through her use of tarot cards,
5: your questions about love, money, and career are sure to be answered.
6: Hello, and thank you for joining me on Soul Segment. This week, we're going to be looking at career and what's going to go on this month using the tarot cards. The first card we're looking at is the Queen of Cups. I really love the Queen of Cups. This position is about what has happened in the past to bring you to where you are now. The Queen of Cups is showing us that the energy that has brought you to where you are now is a very positive one. She's open and loving and communicates her true feelings. She's showing us that career-wise, you are in a really great position to move to your next level. The next card we're gonna look at is the Hierophant. This is what you need to focus on right now. The Hierophant is about the coming of inspiration or the coming of a teacher. You might wanna look out for new energy coming into your career. It could be somebody else who inspires you, or it could be a new thought that gives you a new idea. Regardless, there's gonna be some new inspiration on its way. Finally, what's gonna carry you into the future is the Queen of Wands. The Queen of Wands is very balanced and she knows what she wants. She's calm, cool, and collected. What this energy is telling you is that you're moving into a new stage in your career where you're gonna feel more balanced and more grounded and really be able to reach those goals that you've set up for yourself. Good luck. Thank you so much for joining me. And I'm looking forward to connecting again with you next week. This has been the Soul Segment with Lisa Marvin. To contact Lisa
3: with your questions, please visit metaphysique.ca.
2: I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Purica. Purica wants you to turn its protein into your power, a blend of the finest vegan protein and the antioxidant powerhouse that is the pure chaga mushrooms purica power features ingredients and enzymes designed to optimize digestion and absorption unlike many protein powders purica power tastes great with water and mixes easily it's available in chocolate vanilla and natural unflavored from the purica family to yours purica power is a new way to make the most of every day It's all part of the Purica commitment to making a positive difference in the lifestyle of its customers. Ask your favourite health food store for Purica Power Vegan Protein. Or visit Purica.com. Purica. Nature. Science. You. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned.
3: This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio.
2: Welcome back. My next guest is local yogi Tracy Sagrati. She has a post-secondary education in biology, molecular biology, nursing, acute care, public health education, and Swedish and Thai massage. She leads classes and teaches other yogis how to teach yin yoga. Welcome back to the show, my good friend.
1: Hi, Jamie. I'm so happy to be here and so excited about our topic today.
2: In addition to all those things that you do,
1: uh-huh.
2: you're also Tonic's <laughs> mindfulness expert. Thank you. You are our go-to mindfulness person.
1: Thank you. It's such an honor and a privilege.
2: So today we're going to talk about mindfulness and loving your body.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But absolutely. don't
2: worry, folks, we're not going to get graphic, right?
1: We'll try not to. We'll try. <laughs>
2: one of us one of us may try one of us may not we'll see so what is mindfulness of the body what what does that mean
1: okay so if we go to the foundation of mindfulness originally um you know when the buddha for example outlined mindfulness there were four facets or four foundations as they're called and the first one was mindfulness of the body okay and in buddhism they divided the body up into 32 sections but essentially the nitty-gritty of it is it's the practice of coming into the present moment by noticing sensation that's occurring in your body without, and this is the key part, this is the clincher, without connecting an elaborate story to what you're noticing. Okay. Okay. So
2: what, is that, what does that I, mean? I
1: want to unpack that a little bit, Yeah, a little bit. A little bit, little bit. Okay. So normally what happens in the course of our lives is we've got all these preferences and expectations around our body that exist because of society and culture and, um, you know, all of the experiences that we've gone through. And those preferences and expectations create stories like I'm not Uh, muscular enough, I'm not skinny enough, I don't like my thighs, I'm not athletic, etc, etc. I could go on and on, right? Okay. So these are the stories that we tell ourselves. And over the course of our lives informing those stories, what actually happens is we become disconnected from our actual bodies. Right? It's not real, the stories that we're telling ourselves, and these preferences and expectations are set up as a way to, well, I mean, it's not even conscious, but they essentially disengage us from the real experience of being an organism.
2: Okay. In the sense that they're limiting us from doing things because we're making conscious decisions about what we're capable of.
1: Okay. So on one hand, yes. So they limit us us from doing things because maybe we have a belief system set up that uh, we're not able to do those things. So there's, there's one piece. But they also limit us from doing things because we feel uncomfortable in our own skins okay right so you have a preference about the way you think for example your body should look right and because of that preference you feel uncomfortable in your own skin you can't even tolerate being in your own skin because this preference is set up so then you you become disconnected or dissociated from your body and you just live in your head and so what mindfulness of the body is over time practicing sitting with yourself feeling sensations at every level of your body so head to toe superficial to deep and by feeling those sensations, learning to first tolerate what it's like to be in your own skin and not create any elaborate story about whether it's right or wrong.
2: See, I think that's the hard part.
1: It is the hard part okay it is the hard part that's what makes it so difficult right I don't think
2: I, I think I'd have great difficulty doing that
1: well everybody does right so you're not special in that way well, I'm
2: special in other <laughs> ways, <But anyway>, yeah.
1: <laughs> no but I mean this is the tricky thing and I think actually to sit here and have this conversation and not name that we'd be doing a huge disservice to people right so that is the tricky part people come to meditation or even mindfulness you know meditation in, in particular and think oh well if it's not if it's not easy for me right away then I'm not meant to do it or I can't do it right and the reality is it's hard. It's hard to sit down and boundary your mind because that's essentially what you have to do. Boundary your mind from jumping down the rabbit hole of those stories. And so the practice then is to sit down, feel the sensation. As soon as your mind starts to think I'm this, I'm that, or create an elaborate story around it, you stop it and you come back to feeling sensation. And you might have to do that 5,000 times, at least. you know, And, and that is the reality of it
2: huh okay so it isn't easy peasy it's
1: not easy no no but like a drop in a bucket like if you can imagine a leak in a ceiling you know it's a little drop 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 initially you think it's a small leak but over time all of a sudden that bucket's full right right and the practice is like that so you're doing these little things where you're turning your attention away from those stories over and over and like i said five thousand times and suddenly one day you realize oh it's only 10 times you had to do it Hmm. And you weren't even aware that that shift happened. So it just takes kind of a tenacity.
2: Okay. Now, you speak, and we've discussed this before, about the language of the body. So what do you yeah. what, what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, I, I love thinking about this and talking about this. So, okay. you know, in yoga, there's this wisdom that's shared, you know, when you take a teacher training or you start to get really serious about your practice, right. there's this wisdom that's shared that, you know, if you learn the language of your body, and it has its own language, you will become more whole and more integrated than you can ever imagine. And you end up processing your history by moving the body without having to engage in intellectual exercises around it. Okay. And I I feel like Carolyn Miss, who is this very famous medical intuitive, she, she actually puts it in a simpler way. She says, you know, your body is the biography of your life. And some of modern somatic psychology is starting to support that. In the research, they show that, in fact, when we go through experiences that are overwhelming, and sometimes the the more modern definition of, of what trauma is, is, right. is any experience that overwhelms your system, yep. right? Yep. So we go through an experience that's overwhelming, and what the body does is it stores that experience in the tissues. Like an animal in the wild might go through a traumatic experience and after, say they survived it, afterwards, the animal does this crazy thing where they shake like crazy, Mm -hmm. okay? And so, in that way, they're getting rid, they're processing, they're digesting what it meant to have that chemical experience of intense fear or overwhelm. And humans don't do that. We often shut down and then it's it's stored in our tissues. Internalized. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so... As you connect to your body and you connect to the sensations that you're experiencing in any given moment, you begin to learn to tolerate levels of sensation. And and that tolerance might be, you know, tolerating being uncomfortable. Right, and it might be being uncomfortable because you're feeling fearful or anxious, or right. or you know there might be you might have pain in the body because as you get older, of course, you know if we. I live don't alone, even know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's for others. Of course, you know. not you, not you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you you learn to tolerate what it is to have this experience, and that in this funny way that tolerance just building the capacity to stay with it allows you to process things as they're happening without it living inside your tissues so, so it's yeah, yeah.
2: So a lot of of things that happen to us, I I don't think necessarily are as physical. I mean, obviously people get sick, but a lot of it
1: is is
2: sort of interrelating with others and having sort of emotional impacts. So how does that all connect up?
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, emotional regulation, and this is what you're talking about is emotional regulation, like the ability to feel a cascade of emotions as those emotions are happening without behaviorally acting them out is uh, such an incredible and powerful skill. And uh, so when we learn to be with the body and to sense the body over time, you can discern subtle emotions way before the explosion happens. See, this
2: would be very helpful to me.
1: This would be very helpful to you, my friend. (laughs)
2: Yes. You
1: know me well, <laughs> yeah. Because normally, you know, if we're if we're out of touch with that, then what's actually happening is that we aren't aware of the pressure that's building up of the emotion until boom. There's this explosion because the pressure has to go somewhere, right? right? So yes, the emotion, it does. yeah. So any kind of emotion, it kind of builds up in the body, and then like a kettle that's blowing off steam on the stove, there's a blow. Like the pressure has there's There has to be some way to let go of the of that internal pressure. So um, when you can become aware of the more subtle expressions of the emotion in your somatic, in your body, then you are aware of what's happening inside you far earlier than you were before. And with that, two things happen. First, you're able to name the emotion, right? So you feel it, which is right brain, and then you name it, which is left brain. And those two pieces coming together allow you to sit with the emotion and then cognitively think about how you want to react. So you can act rather than reacting to the present moment. Hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. You and I must talk more. Yes, and we're going. Unfortunately, we're going to have to do that off mic. Oh
1: no, because
2: we're out of time. We've done it again.
1: Oh my gosh! It's because but, mindfulness is such a brilliant and expansive topic.
2: It is. It is. So, so we'll have to have you back next month. To I carry can't wait. On. I can't wait. Amazing. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we're going to discuss how to shift your health mindset into the fall on the tonic.
3: And now, time for Pure Beauty. Learn all about holistic skincare and health featuring chemical-free ingredients. Here's naturopathic doctor and co-founder of Pure and Simple Beauty and Wellness Centers, Dr. Kristen Ma. Kicking off our Garden Beauty series, today I'm going to talk about mint. Mint is one of the most refreshing herbs you can find, not only for your taste buds, but also for your skin. Taken internally, mint's a digestive tonic. This can help skin problems like rosacea, eczema, and acne, which are often linked to poor digestion and inflammation of the GI tract. Furthermore, spearmint's been identified as having anti-androgen properties. This can potentially help acne that's been aggravated by high testosterone levels. For this reason, spearmint is also speculated as an aid for hirsutism. Hirsutism is just another word for abnormal or excessive hair growth. This is mainly seen in women and hirsutism is a common symptom of polycystic ovarian syndrome along with acne. But mint isn't for everyone. Anyone with acid reflux should know that mint can relax the sphincters of the lower esophagus. This allows an open pathway for stomach acid to be regurgitated through. Mint also isn't recommended for breastfeeding women because taken orally, it can decrease milk production. But let's not forget that mint can be used topically too. It's a cooling herb with anti-inflammatory properties. And one way to soothe sensitive skin is with a DIY mint facial toner. To do this, simply infuse a handful of mint into two cups of hot water, then refrigerate. After it's cooled, transfer this into a spray bottle and this day and night after cleansing. You can store this tonic in the fridge and use it up to three to five days. This is a lovely way to tone sensitive skin without the use of drying alcohol ingredients and to stock fresh natural skincare at home. As you can see, mint can be used in so many ways. It's a real garden beauty ingredient. This has been Pure Beauty with Dr. Kristen Ma. Learn more and ask questions about holistic beauty and their wellness centers through their Facebook page at pureandsimple.ca. This segment should not take the place of medical advice. Always talk to your health care provider about personal health concerns.
2: The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their liquid greens chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy, enjoy the detox, enjoy the great taste. Purely natural, liquid greens. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of the Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighborhoods in Toronto. It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa.
3: You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio.
2: My next guest is naturopathic doctor Jody Larry. For over a decade, Jodi has brought hundreds in Toronto back to life by sharing her passion and experience of what living holistically really looks like. Through her busy practice, wellness studios and corporations, Jodi shares her philosophy about clean, wholesome diets and self-care practices that inspires mind-body health and well-being. Welcome back to the show.
4: Thank
5: you so much for having me.
2: We spoke last month about keeping healthy over the summer. Today, we're here to talk about shifting your health mindset into the fall because things get different. People get busier, right? For sure. So how can we start to shift our mindset as summer is coming to an end? That makes me so So, sad to see that.
5: I know. So come August... People are usually starting to feel the indulgences that they've had. You know, summer really is a time where people tend to eat more and drink more and just be more social. But come mid-August, they're really starting to feel the effects. So a lot of my clients that I'm seeing in private practice right now, you know, they're coming in. They've put on 5 pounds, 10 pounds. They're not happy about it you know, their digestion's off, they're getting headaches, like when you indulge too much, you start to feel it. So in order to not wait till the fall, it's really good to start to look at sort of where you can start to cut back. Okay. okay. So what that means is, you know, you don't have to sort of stop the party, but maybe instead of eating a lot of cakes and desserts and sugar, You can maybe even say to yourself, for the rest of the summer, I'm really not going to eat much sugar at all or maybe once a week because really sugar is the devil when it comes to all of this stuff and if you're eating it on a daily basis or when you're being too social – that's really the thing that's going to cause you to feel the absolute worst. So I would really start there and get people to be mindful of how much sugar they're eating because once they take that out of their diet, then everything else will follow. The energy will come, the weight will go and their bodies and minds will start to get more rejuvenated for the fall. Because if you don't start to think about making these changes, fall's going to come, you know, the overwhelm's going to come, and you're going to be feeling really quite bad about yourself.
2: And you don't just want to rush into big wholesale changes in the fall because it never works, you know. They, no. It's almost like you're taking a practice lap. Maybe maybe you don't cut all the sugar out, although I know that is your goal. Maybe you, mm-hmm. Maybe you just sort of scale it back or you say to yourself. Yeah,
5: you want to be mindful of reducing it. Or, you know, when I say sugar, I mean the outright sugar Thing. So yep. it doesn't mean that you're, you know, not eating carbohydrates or whatnot, but you know, maybe even you decide that for the rest of the summer you're not gonna have a bun with your burger. You know, you're gonna have a burger, but you're gonna have it without the bun. Instead of french fries, maybe you're gonna start focusing on making sweet potato french fries or even parsnip french fries. I've been doing that a ton this summer. Oh yeah. I absolutely love it. It's extremely simple. And easy to do.
2: Are they baked? What are you doing?
5: All you do is you grab about five or six large parsnips. You yep. grate them like obviously grate the outer edge off like the same way that you'd grate a a carrot carrot or whatever. Mm -hmm. Cut them into sort of like French fry-like strips. But to be honest, I'm really disorganized and messy. I just kind (laughs) of do them however.
2: Parsnips don't really, because they're fat at the top and they taper off more than a carrot. So they're kind of hard to make uniform. Exactly.
5: So you cut them up and then mix them with a little bit of olive oil and sea salt. And then you can bake them in the oven for about 20 to 25 minutes at 400 degrees. You'd want to flip them about 10 minutes in. And they are amazing. My kids love them. And my four and a half year old, really, I can't get much past him at this point. (laughs) But he really thinks they're french fries.
2: Well, that's awesome. And
5: it's such a guilt-free way.
2: Except for the guilt of tricking your child, but yes.
5: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, even in general, like (laughs) I've served them at tons of parties. People love them. And it's such a guilt-free way to sort of have that crunchy treat, and it's a parsnip.
2: Sounds good. One of your other, we'll call them Jedi mind tricks, okay, is having a clean eating day. What do you mean by that?
5: Okay. What I tell people all the time, but especially in the summer when there's more indulgence, is that you take one day. of the week. So for a lot of people, they like it to be Monday because the weekends tend to be, you know, when people really... uh, Not a
2: good idea to do it on a Saturday night.
5: No, most people aren't. I mean, you could, but you're not likely going to. So if you kind of decide, okay, Monday is my day and I'm going to eat clean, meaning no sugar at all that day, no dairy, no alcohol, obviously, really basically eating protein and vegetables for a whole day, tons of water, tons of lemon in your water, apple cider vinegar in your water on those. I do this, you know, once a week, every day through the summer. I, on those days, I try to eat a lot of parsley and cilantro and celery, cucumber, just things that are really going to feed my system after the weekend. So deciding to do that also can be a great way to sort of shift your system. And usually when people have a day like that, they tend to eat healthier through the rest of the week as well right? Because they sort of shifted their body into this good place. Their body feels really light. And then the next day they're likely to make better choices. So that's a great thing to do is to take that one day and sort of reset your system, give it a gift, you know, of of all these healthy things. And then it usually makes the week better as well.
2: Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what you're saying is, look, if you do this for one day, you're more likely to carry over the good habits over the course exactly. of the week, and it's it's a way to sort of ease into eating healthy all the time. But if one out of every seven days you're eating healthy, but the other ones you aren't, I mean, you're still you can't drink the proverbial Kool Aid. No, um, it's not you know. going to
5: reverse six days of debauchery, but. The hope is that, you know, by doing this sort of one day of very, very, very clean eating, the body will start to feel really good, and then the next day you're going to want to continue on the habit. That's the problem with eating in general, is that a lot of it has to do with the brain. And when we're feeding our body, you know, for example, habits are very easy to form. So if every night you're having ice cream before bed, your brain thinks you need ice cream every night before bed. But if you decide to just cut it and you go, you know, two, three weeks without it, then your brain realizes, oh, okay, I don't need this. Cold so turkey. That's why I say, you know, starting to shift even just around sugar to minimize it or fully reduce it is a huge benefit because then your brain and your body starts to realize, oh, I don't need this every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need to grab these chips for when I just had lunch and everyone's just sitting around eating chips. And another tip that I want to say too quickly, which is really important, is that If you're, say, Saturday night at a party and everyone's eating ice cream and you're really not even hungry, but you end up seeing that you just want to be a part of the fun, a really good idea is to go and get something healthier. So, for example, when I'm at a party and everyone's eating ice cream, I'll go and I'll just mix like a plain yogurt and a little bit of all-natural peanut butter, and it's really delicious and cold and sweet and, you know, whatnot. And so when everyone's eating their ice cream, I'm eating this. So I still feel like I'm part of the fun, but I'm not going to feel crappy afterwards. Good idea. So finding alternatives, like the parsnip fries, and and I really love the Skyr yogurt. I don't know if you've ever heard of it.
2: Yep, I've heard Um, of it. I haven't had it, but yep.
5: S-K-Y-R. It's sort of like a Greek yogurt, but it's actually lactose-free, so people who are sensitive to dairy will do well on it. Mm -hmm. And it's really thick and creamy. So if you mix it with some all-natural peanut butter or almond butter, a little bit of honey, It really does give you that sort of ice cream kind of feel with no guilt, very low calories, no dairy even. So, you know, thinking about that, too, if everyone's having fun and you want to take part, can you take part but in a healthier way?
2: Okay. Now, I know some people will kick off their fall health regimen with an end-of-the-summer cleanse. Mm -hmm. when should the post-summer cleanse be done and what are some of the details and advice you would give people who are considering it?
5: I would say to be realistic with yourself. I mean, I would wait till all your travel plans are over, till all your cottage weekends are over. You know, most people wait till after Labor Day Mm -hmm. to start something like this when they're sort of back home in the routine because cleansing takes a lot of focus and time and determination. So if you want to do it, you want to make sure that you can find sort of 10 days or two weeks that you're not going to have anything that's going to interfere. And a cleanse program is focusing on full elimination of alcohol, refined sugar, gluten, dairy, soy, and anything processed. So it's challenging and you're really taking 10 days to eat wholesome, whole grains, protein, vegetables, fruits, and really allow your body to first withdraw and eliminate all the crap. So at the first three, four days of a cleanse program, especially after the summer, can feel brutal on the system. Yep. But then usually by about day five or six, the body starts to shift and you get all your amazing health and energy back. And the goal, again, is that you can then sort of rid those bad habits, allow your body to feel good eating the clean food, and then continue on you know, as you start the year. I think that everybody should do some kind of cleanse program when the summer's over, especially if they're feeling the effects of summer. If 10 days or two weeks is too much of a commitment, even doing, you know, as small as three to five days is still going to benefit your system.
2: Fantastic. Great advice. Thank you for coming on the show today. No problem. And thank you for listening to The Tonic. You can download this episode as a podcast on the Tonic.ca. For articles written by Joel Thuna, Tracy Sagrati, and Kristen Ma, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic magazine. Tonic is available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighbourhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or coming on the show, you can email me at jamie at Please join us next week on The Tonic when we'll discuss the natural treatment of pain and inflammation, how your lifestyle can prevent you from developing dementia, street art, and healthy hydration. Until then, this is Jamie Bussin wishing you a healthy and happy week.
3: Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement.